encounters with Jesus in John's Gospel were in the Arab quarter in Jerusalem, uh, by the sheep gates at the pool of Bethesda, and Jesus Christ has done something astounding. He's healed a lame man, but he's done it on the Sabbath day, and the religious leaders are furious with him. And from now on, they are plotting to do away with him. And we're going to spend a few Sunday mornings looking at the aftermath of this healing. In John chapter 5, John chapter 5, we've already looked at one. Jesus defends the Sabbath from the twisted religiosity of the scribes and the Pharisees. But then, more gloriously, Jesus goes on to say some amazing things uh, from uh, the uh, criticism of the Pharisees. You'll often find when the church is facing a conflict, out of that comes uh, some of the most glorious statements that she has ever made. Our confessions of faith, for example, were done uh, because of conflict. And the one we're going to look at this morning is John 5, verse 24. John 5, verse 24. This is Jesus speaking. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death unto life. What a wonderful statement, especially since we've had so many funerals recently. Uh, we've had two funeral services over last weekend. There is another one coming on Monday. And you may wonder why, as Christians, we don't get discouraged with all of this. Now, those who lose loved ones will be grieving and that is real, and we all feel that sense of loss. But a believer doesn't grieve as those without hope, because we have a Savior who says, if you believe in me, you've passed from death unto life. Do you know that hope? Now, the New King James is very weak, unfortunately, at the start of verse 24. Most assuredly, that, that really uh, doesn't get it right. The old version says, verily, verily. Now, that doesn't make much sense today, does it? But what it means is, amen, amen. Or, to translate that, truly, Truly, Jesus is emphasizing here, I'm telling you the truth. All of the words of Jesus Christ are precious. All the word of God is precious. I've got the words of Jesus in red here, but all of this is the word of God. But some sayings of Jesus are more important than 
others. And the one we're looking at this morning is such, because Jesus himself says, I'm telling you the truth. Now, we've already come across another verily, verily, haven't we? In John chapter 3, truly, truly, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And look at what Jesus says here. It's not just a double, truly, 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 I say to you. There's a triple lock, as it were, on it. If Jesus is saying, amen, amen, and I'm saying it to you, he wants you and me to listen, right? So all I want to do is ask this morning, why do we have to pay attention to this? More than some of the other sayings of Jesus Christ. Have you come to church just to be a spectator? Well, Jesus says you are not to be sitting there passively. You are to listen as if your very life depended on it. Now, let's look first at the words that Jesus uses. Uh, Look at verse 24, if you've got a Bible. He talks about not just life, but everlasting life, eternal life, life forever. He talks about death, and he talks about life. So the word life is used twice. The word death is used once. Uh, Bill Shankly said, football is not just a matter of life and death, it's more important. Jesus isn't just talking about life and death, he's talking about eternal death, eternal life. Moses said, I have set before you this day eternal death, eternal life. That's what we're thinking of. I don't know whether that voice is saying uh, eternal life or eternal death, but this voice is. What is death? What is death? Death is not the end. Death is separation. So what Jesus Christ is saying here, do you notice the tense? Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Is he talking of the future? No, he's not. He's speaking in the present tense. So what Jesus is saying here is that we're already dead. Have you noticed uh, the end of the verse? Passed from death to life. That's what becoming a Christian is. What a strange way of speaking. Passed from death to life? No, Lord, you've got it wrong. We are alive now, and we're going from life to death, aren't we? No. That's why Christian Funerals are victorious occasions. We're already dead. And what Jesus Christ is offering is a passage from death to life. Because death is separation. And we're all spiritually dead. Because as I was trying to say to the children, in Eden, in paradise, 
our parents were alive. They were joined, as it were, uh, to God spiritually. They walked with God in the cool of the day, in the garden. But then sin came in. Disobedience to God entered the world. And death. And the Hebrew is emphatic. We're dealing with certainties here this morning. God said to our first parents, if you disobey me, dying you shall surely die. And that moment they were separated from God. Death is separation. Spiritually they were dead. God cast them out of paradise. And ever since that day, we are in the east of Eden. And there's no way back to paradise. There are two flaming swords blocking the way. So Jesus is saying, you must listen to me because you're spiritually dead now. We're separated from the life of God. And one day, and this is what happens when we die in the normal sense of the word, there is a physical death where our souls, uh, this spirit part of me, are separated from our bodies. Our bodies go to the grave, whether they're cremated or buried, it doesn't matter. They <laughs> are going to decay or be burnt to ashes. But our souls go on forever. And one day, there's going to be a second death. But we're not interested in that this morning. So Jesus is saying, you listen to this because you are dead. And you need life. Now, you may say, isn't it unfair that because our first parents fell, that we all fell with them? Uh, what did uh, the reading say? As by man came death, in Adam all of us died. Isn't that unfair, you say? Well, Adam was our representative, just as the Welsh rugby team, right? Uh, we say, uh, we, did we win or lose last Saturday? We lost, did we? Yeah, we, we lost. I wasn't playing. You weren't playing. But we still say, we lost. Well, those of you who are Welsh will say that. <laughs> because the team is representing us. So if the team wins, we win. If the team loses, we lose. And how much did we lose? About two points. But we still lost. We still lost. And James says, even if we keep the whole law of God, and if we fail in one point, we still lose. This is why this is so important. God's pass mark, to use the, another illustration, to get to heaven is 100%. It doesn't matter if you get 99% right. You're still lost. And dead is dead, isn't it? You, you're either dead or alive. Even a person who is in a coma is still alive. And where there's life, there's hope. 
But once a person has died, that's it. A funeral director may dress up a dead body, but they're still dead. And you and me, when we're born into this world, we're spiritually dead. As somebody asked George Whitfield, one of the greatest preachers this country has ever seen, 18th century, George Whitfield preached on the verse in John 3, you must be born again. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. And somebody asked him, Mr. Whitfield, why, why do you always preach on you must be born again? Do you know what Whitfield answered? Because you must be born again. There, there isn't another answer. And then there's another word that Jesus uses. He doesn't just talk about death and life. Eternal death. Eternal life. He talks about judgment, condemnation, believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment. So that means we're under judgment. Not only are we spiritually dead, but we're under judgment when we're born into this world. I sometimes enjoy uh, going jogging in the Lower Wye Valley. Have you ever been to Piercefield? Uh, it's uh, one example of the picturesque. And there's an old mansion uh, in Piercefield Park near Chepstow. And it looks beautiful, but it's ruined. It's ruined. You can see something of the former glories, but it's in ruins. And not only is it ruined, that's a bit like us. The image of God, which our first parents had in paradise, is still seen in us, but we're ruined by the fall. But you can't even enter. When I was a boy, you could go inside Piercefield Manor, but you can't now, not today, with the health and safety regulations. It's condemned. It's a condemned building. And not only are we ruined, we're condemned. Condemned. We're appointed once to die physically. We're already spiritually dead. One day, there'll be physical death. And after that, the judgment. And if you're not in Christ, if you're still in the first Adam, you will go on to the second death. This is vitally important. I wish I could plead with you. I've been reading about uh, the Romanovs, the last Tsar of Russia, Nicholas II, and the disaster that befell them uh, when uh, the revolution occurred in 1917, I think. And there was a British ambassador in St. Petersburg at the time called George Buchanan, and he was a gentleman. And he was seeing the Tsar for the last time, I think. And he tried, an ambassador is only supposed to give the message of the Queen. It was Queen Victoria. No, it wasn't Queen Victoria. Uh, whoever was in power in this country. But George Buchanan didn't just want to be pleasant with the Tsar. He wanted to warn him about the catastrophe that happened. And this is how he spoke, I think. This is important in terms of what we are facing, a worse catastrophe if we don't believe in Jesus Christ. An ambassador, I am well aware, has no right to hold the language which I have held to your majesty. And I had to take my courage in both hands before speaking as I have done. But if I were to see a friend 
walking through a forest on a dark night along a path which I knew ended in a precipice, a cliff, would it not be my duty, sire, to warn him of his danger? And is it not equally my duty to warn your majesty of the abyss that lies ahead of you? The abyss. I'm an ambassador, but I haven't come from uh, the court of uh, the king uh, or the queen of England, but uh, I'm the ambassador of Christ. And I wish I could, as the Apostle Paul did in 2 Corinthians, uh, beseech you, be reconciled to God. Because there's an abyss ahead of you. It's not just life and death, but eternal death. Don't you want to be saved from that abyss? So that, that's the first reason we're dealing here with spiritual death, even eternal death. Secondly, how, how can I be saved? How can I be saved? Listen to Jesus Christ. Truly, truly, I say to you, do you want to be saved? There were lots of conflicting advice to Tsar Nicholas II, and I don't know if they could say truly, truly, but Jesus says, I'm telling you the truth. Hear my word. He who hears my word. There's hearing and hearing, isn't there? Have you, have you ever flown? Some of us have been flying so many times. Uh, you know the parts uh, before the the plane uh, takes off when they go through what to do if uh, there was an emergency. What, what, what do you do? I, I, I'm just still reading my book. I've heard them so often, the instructions of what to do if we have to uh, do an emergency landing. I'm, I'm not really listening. I'm sort of, but I'm more interested in my book. How many people come to church and they're treating uh, the instructions here uh, from God himself like the instructions given at the start of a flight. Are you just here, but you're not really listening? Well, Jesus is saying, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word. We hear as if our very life depends on it because it does. He that has ears, says Jesus on another occasion. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. And it's not just hear, is it? What does he say? Believes. But notice how he puts it. He who hears my word and believes it. No. Believes in him who sent me. So Jesus doesn't just want us to believe the record true that we've got here but he wants you to believe into him it doesn't matter whether you believe in God believe in the Lord Jesus Christ it comes to the same thing I'm putting my trust in a person it's not great knowledge that will save you you need to know a minimum amount 
But all you need to know is that Jesus saves and I'm going to trust in him. I don't know maybe how he's going to do it, but I'm going to trust in him. Are you? You can know and believe, as it were, in the facts of justification by faith. That great doctrine. But that's not the same as believing in Jesus Christ. I know of people who have very little Bible knowledge, but they're believers because they've cast themselves on the Lord. Are you going to do that this morning? And if you have believed in him, are you going to carry on doing that? Because I know of nothing more precious. You see, the religious leaders, they, they, they were offended at the fact that Jesus Christ had come into the world to save sinners. Is it nothing to you, all you that pass by, that Jesus should die? That's not to believe in him. What is it to believe? It's to love the fact that Jesus is the friend of sinners. What is it to believe? It's to look unto him uh, that was crucified on that cross, not for his own sins, but for yours and mine. What is it to believe? It's to embrace Jesus Christ. He's the lover of our souls. What a title. Isn't it amazing that Jesus Christ here is addressing the Pharisees, the people who are plotting to kill him, and he says to them, whoever believes in me, even if you believe in me, you will be saved. Oh, how the grace of God amazes us. The first sermon that was preached under the auspices of the church most of the people in that congregation were Jerusalem sinners. They were people who weeks before had cried out, crucify him. And such is the grace of God that instead of judging those people, God is offering them salvation. Now there is a limit to God's patience because in AD 70 there did come judgment. But God is still offering you and I salvation. It's still a day of grace it's faith you see that's the dividing line uh, we're, we're a diverse congregation here this morning aren't we uh, we're uh, male and female obviously uh, we're welsh and non-welsh uh, we are old some of you young and a number of us in between uh, we, some of us have degrees, some even have doctorates. I am surrounded by two doctors. Some don't have degrees. Uh, some are outgoing, some are inward looking. But none of those things are the dividing lines. The dividing line is those who believe and those who don't believe. Are you a believer or an unbeliever? Uh, listen to J.C. Ryle. He puts it like this. We should mark carefully the strong language of Scripture in dividing uh, between believers and unbelievers. Uh, it's not uh, um, those who are raised in a Christian home, 
those who are baptized, those who are church members, those who have done good, those who are active in the life of the church, those who are reverence, those who are doctors. It's whether you believe or don't believe. That's the division. Believe. Finally, how? What happens when I believe? You pass from death into life. I love that. I've been watching some of the old Doctor Who episodes. When I was growing up, Tom Baker was the definitive doctor, the man with the scarf. And there was one episode, I know this is in Star Trek, but in Doctor Who there was one episode where the doctor was teleported from the spaceship, not the TARDIS, from the spaceship he was on to this dangerous planet. Being teleported is instantly transported, right? I haven't experienced teleportation, but I have experienced what it is to be translated from death to life, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son, the kingdom of light. And, you know, with Doctor Who, he could be teleported back and forth. But listen, when God transports you or teleports you from the kingdom of this world where Adam is the representative into the kingdom of the second Adam, who is the last Adam, because he was victorious, you can't be teleported back. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, he that believes on me has everlasting life. It's not something that's going to happen to us when we die. You know, we talk, don't we, in Christian funerals of being promoted. Uh, Sylvia and Marjorie and Margaret, they've all had their promotion. But they passed from death to life the moment they believed in Jesus. Uh, what did we sing? The first hymn? The vilest offender who truly believes. It's not great faith. It's not knowledgeable faith. But genuine faith. Trust in Christ who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. I'm no longer in the kingdom of darkness. I've been made alive. Uh, faith doesn't cause me to be born again, but faith is evidence that I'm born again. Just like evidence of physical life is a baby crying, evidence of spiritual life is a person crying, Jesus, save me. And the moment we are trusting in Jesus Christ, we are made alive and we're no longer condemned because he has taken the condemnation upon himself. <laughs> Faith. See the place and see the cross, the tree, where heaven's prince, instead of me, was nailed to bear my shame. Bruised was the dragon by the sun, though two had wounds, there conquered one, and Jesus was his name. This is what happened to the man at the pool of Bethesda. His healing was a sign of the spiritual healing that we experience when we believe 
in Jesus Christ. And he rejoiced, and he couldn't get over it. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, didn't get it. They just didn't get it. But this man, though he didn't know who Jesus was, he was rejoicing. Where are you this morning? Are you still not getting it? Come, believe, whoever you are. And if you are believers, show forth what Jesus Christ has done. And it's not just the length of life that's ahead of us. Eternal life means living forever. Uh, we have a member who's 100 and... Is it 101? Our oldest member at the moment? 101 or 102? I can't remember. Now, wouldn't you like to live to 101? 101 is a drop in the ocean of eternity. God has put eternity in your heart... We are going to live forever. You're either going to be in eternal hell or eternal heaven. But the prospect of living forever. But this doesn't just talk about that. It talks about the quality of life. Eternal life is to know God. To know him. Just as Adam in paradise walked with God. So we, the moment we believe in Jesus Christ, the life of God has come into our souls and the Christian life now in the words of Tozer is the pursuit of God to walk with him and Jesus Christ, <laughs> he's real, you know, he's real. When you're going through darkness, even the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. How many of you here can say, he's real? He draws near to me, especially when I go through those dark places. We're going to sing in a minute the words of Wesley, no condemnation now, I dread. There is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus and all in him is mine. He's my captain now. I'm in that team, as it were. Alive in him, my living head. No longer Adam, but the second Adam. Alive in him, my living head. And clothed with righteousness divine. And listen, I'll close with this. When Jesus was victorious over death, over sin, over the devil, over hell on the cross. It wasn't two points. It wasn't two points. It was a rout. It was. Thanks be unto God who gives you and me the victory through our Lord. Jesus Christ. You've either got faith, to quote Bob Dylan, or you've got unbelief, and there ain't no neutral ground. Stop sitting on the fence. Come down and cast yourself 
on Jesus Christ for his name's sake. Let's sing together. I've already quoted from the hymn, And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me? Yes, he died for you. Who caused his pain for me? Him, death pursued. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? 524.
Father, we praise Thee for sending Thine only begotten Son to leave heaven and go not just down into this world, but into the abyss, uh, that He descended into hell, took the condemnation upon Himself for our sins, so that we might uh, not just be forgiven, but that we might be raised, uh, even heavenwards. And we just praise Thee that in Him uh, the tribes of Adam boast more blessings than their father lost. May every one of us, O God, be in him, not having our own righteousness, but that which is through faith in Christ. And now may the grace of Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Amen. <laughs>